Well, good morning again. Merry Christmas to all of you. It is a joy. I'm so glad to um, be able to be with you this morning to celebrate our Savior and King, Jesus Christ. That's why we have come here today. We've been continuing uh, to work through the book of Acts as we have gone through the season of Advent, the four weeks of Advent. This is the fourth week of Advent today, and the theme today, this Sunday, is love. Love. It's not hard to connect love to Christmas. We see love, God's love, in the text today. We're going to be in Acts chapter 4, so go ahead and turn there. We're going to look at the first 12 verses, and as you get there, if you're able to stand, go ahead and stand and follow along as I read Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. What a joy it is to celebrate you. And we confess to you, Lord, our minds are so prone to wander to other things. And so we ask for your help in this time, Lord, that we would honor you even with our minds. That we would worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Well, over 2,000 years ago, God stepped into this world that He had created in the form of a baby. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. And in that moment, everything changed. The world changed because of Jesus. You see that in the text today. Jesus came into the world and turned it upside down. And now there is no hopelessness. That's not to disregard the feelings of hopelessness that we have, but there is now no hopelessness because Christ has come. 
We've been looking in the book of Acts. We saw how Peter and John were going to the temple and this man who had been crippled, he had been crippled from birth, he had never walked, was always carried to the places he would go, was healed by Peter and John as they go into the temple. And that's what's happening, what's being addressed in this text. But what we know from that is Jesus has come into the world and everything has changed. And now this man is walking. But not everyone is joyful about that. Verse 1, as they were speaking, that's Peter and John, as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed. Now, the title of the sermon today is, His Law is Love. And I want to highlight something from the very beginning. These religious leaders that we're talking about in the text uh, today, they were trying to obey God's law. They were living their lives to that end, to seek to obey God's law. But they were rejecting the love of God because they were rejecting Jesus. And Jesus is His love fully displayed to the world. It mentions there Sadducees. Sadducees were Jewish leaders, including the high priestly family. And they held great power in Jerusalem. They guarded the most holy place, place where the one true God had promised to meet with His people. They oversaw the sacrificial system. They had great power economically, socially, and politically. They had troops they had temple police, and they were able to do whatever they wanted to do. And so they come to Peter and John, greatly annoyed, verse 2 says, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now, the Sadducees didn't believe there was a re resurrection. They didn't believe in a resurrection from the dead, which is sad, but also not something that we're unfamiliar with. It's a difficult thing for many people to believe that people will come back to life or could come back to life. N.T. Wright comments on this, wouldn't it be simply great news to know that God was alive and well and was providing a wonderful rescue operation through His chosen Messiah? Not if you were already in power. Not if you were one of the people who had rejected and condemned that Messiah, and not particularly if you were in charge of the central institution that administered God's law, God's justice, and the life of God's people. And if you strongly suspected that this new movement was trying to upstage you, to diminish or overturn that power and prestige and take it for itself, in quote. Does that make, does that make sense? These people, the Sadducees, these leaders, have power. They're in positions of great power, and they have no intentions of surrendering their power. And yet this message of the Christ is one that will do just that. There's a new king, one sent from heaven, one sent by God to overturn the way things have been, and make all things new. Jesus came to renew all things. And that's not good news to these Sadducees if they continue to cling to their power and position. 
but it's good news for us. It's why we celebrate here. It's good news of great joy as the angel proclaimed. It's God's love for this world and for us. So these religious leaders are annoyed. In verse 3 it says, they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day. So they arrest Peter and John and they're now in custody. And then verse 4, but many of those who had heard the word believed and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Now, if you're just jumping in with us this morning, Peter has just been preaching this like short message and pointing to Jesus the entire time. And I love this because here in the midst of this, all of this, Luke is intentional to include that people are rescued. They're saved. And how are they saved? It says by believing that there are many there who heard Peter talking and he heard the word of God and Jesus being promoted, boasted in by Peter and they believe in Jesus and they're saved. And the number has now grown from what was 120 people who were followers of Jesus is now 5,000. By believing. That's how loving God is. God's law is love. By believing. Acts 2.21, Peter had said, and it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. That's the love of Jesus who stepped into this world. That in the midst of the darkness and difficulty of this life, in the midst of this story about where two men are arrested for their trust in Jesus, Luke is purposeful to say, but in the midst of it, people believed and were saved. In the midst of darkness and difficulty in life, he welcomes us. Come freely and you will be saved. You'll be loved. Verses 5 through 7 continue. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Now, these are the leaders of the Jewish people, the high priestly family and other leaders. They're the ones who had turned Jesus over to be crucified. And what question do they ask Peter and John? What name did you use to do this? Now, the this there is the healing, Okay. So what name did you use to heal this man? Well, that's not new. It's not a new question from them. They had presumed that Jesus himself was using some kind of evil magic. And in Luke 11, in fact, it says that they, they said of Jesus when he cast out a demon that he actually did that by the power of Satan. So they're questioning here. Are these 
disciples, the kind of people who are leading Israel astray to worship false gods. But Jesus, or just as Jesus had answered them before in Luke 11, that it was the Holy Spirit of God that was working. The Spirit works again here through Peter and John. It tells us in verses 8 through 10, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. By the power of the same Spirit that Jesus said cast out demons, Peter is filled with the Spirit and moved to proclaim that Jesus, risen from the dead, the Messiah had healed the man. Now, remember, if you know the story of the Bible, when Jesus was arrested and being persecuted and even tortured by these very religious leaders, this is the same Peter who outside just a few weeks earlier than this, when Jesus is being tried, couldn't answer honestly when some people asked if he was one of Jesus' followers. He was too afraid. And so in that moment, in his fear, he denied being associated with Jesus Three times he did that. And now filled with the Spirit, he speaks boldly before those who were the ones beating Jesus while Peter was outside afraid. Again, just as in his sermon, his message is clear. It is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's what we're saying this Christmas Eve. It's all about about Jesus. So he continues, verse 11, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. Now what does this mean? It's a wonderful, wonderful statement that Peter makes about Jesus. And he's actually connecting Jesus here to the Old Testament. He quotes from Psalm 118. The cornerstone was the most important piece in the foundation of a building. He's saying that even though Jesus was rejected by these religious leaders, by the rulers, the builders of God's nation, he was accepted by God as the ultimate piece in God's plan. God proved that he accepted Jesus and his sacrifice because he raised him from the dead. He proved that he accepted what Jesus did by raising him from the dead. Jesus is the place where God is building his new temple. That's what Peter is saying. He is the cornerstone. He's the most significant piece in this plan by God. Psalm 118 is full of meaning. meaning. It's, It's a psalm of the temple. A psalm of people going up to the temple to celebrate God's new day and 
to claim His salvation. It's a psalm about God's life-giving power, including in particular the way in which God brings His people through trouble and rescues them from danger. And it's a psalm which, relying on God's mercy, celebrates God's victory over all the powers of this world. In fact, Psalm 118, verses 8 and 9 says this, It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Peter's saying here, Jesus has come. And you may have handed him over, that's what Peter's saying to these religious leaders, you may have handed him over to be killed, but he's risen from the dead and he is building a new and better temple through the church. And his kingdom is going forward. This king of love is the foundation of God's plan. And then lastly, verse 12, and there's salvation in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This great truth of God's love displayed and fulfilled through Jesus. This is love. That God would make a way through His Son, that we could know Him. There's no other name given among men by which we must be saved. Now that, that part of that verse, no other name, people sometimes will say that that's an arrogant statement, that it's exclusive. And that's true, it can be very exclusive if Christians use the name of Jesus to further their own power or prestige. But this is not how or why He came. He came as a display and a demonstration of God's love. And that through Him, and yes, through Him alone, God has made it possible for us to be in relationship with Him. God sent Jesus to make a way for us to be with Him forever. His law is love. Love that took on flesh. He came to this earth as an infant. Helpless. Love that lived among his enemies. Love that welcomed the outcasts. Love that welcomed the oppressed. Love that walked this earth without sin. Love that went to the cross. Love that conquered sin and death. Love that reigns forever. Love that sets you free. Love that is truly love. And this love wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger, growing and showing us what His kingdom is like, gave to us a picture of a kingdom of love. He says to you and to me this Christmas Eve morning, if anyone thirsts, 
Let him come to me and drink. Or in another place, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Today we celebrate Jesus, who he is and what he's done. He's love. And if you don't know him, I'm certain that someone would love to talk to you about him today. And so ask whoever you feel comfortable with here asking. We're going to go into a time where we take the Lord's Supper. Jesus, when he was with his disciples, he gave us this as a commandment. Something that we're to continue to do over and over. And he said, as often as you eat the bread, do it in remembrance of me, that, it, that it's a picture of my body, Jesus says, which was broken for you. So the, the bread is a symbol for us as a reminder to us of one who came to this earth in the form of man, God in the flesh, and lived for us and whose body was broken for us. And the cup, Jesus says, represents His blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. God's love was most fully displayed on the cross. Jesus came to this earth full of love and He willingly, willingly gave His life for us. His body was broken and His blood poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. And so, you're going to be dismissed by Rose. Uh, you can come and get the bread and, and, and the cup and take it back to your seats. But if you're here this morning and you don't know the love of Jesus, you don't, you don't know what a relationship with Jesus is like, then I would urge you in this time, take these moments, we're going to sing Again, as, as people are dismissed to come and get the bread and the cup, just take these moments and, and consider Jesus. Instead of partaking in the things that he said are, are reminders of who he is, then partake of him instead. Instead of coming and getting a piece of bread and a cup that, that are meant to remind us of, of the great things that he has done for us, take him today. Even where you're at, just Pray to Him and call on His name. Again, the verse that, that Peter references in, in his first sermon, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I would encourage you today, call on His name. If you do know Him, come and get the bread and get the cup. And, and as we take it together, let's take it with thanksgiving in our hearts, remembering Jesus, you came for this reason. You came in love to make all things new, and you did it through your own sacrifice. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you, Lord. You're so good to us. And we ask you, Lord, to help us. Lord, Christmas is such a joyful time. And it's joyful for so many reasons, Lord. We love our families. We love time with friends. 
We love the things that happen during Christmas. We love the music. We love, we love so many things about it. And, and in the midst of it, Lord, we want to remember that there is a reason that we should and can have great joy in this season. And the reason, Lord, is you. Jesus, that you stepped into this earth that you created, knowing that the only way that we could be saved, rescued from our living for ourselves, is by sacrificing yourself. So help us, Lord, help us. We really want to rejoice in that truth. We really want to remember your love with thanksgiving. And Lord, if there's anyone here who has not received or embraced or felt your love, Lord, I pray for them. I pray that you would today open their hearts to believe and to confess and to be rescued by you, Lord. For those that do know you and may not feel loved right now, Lord, I pray for them that they would set their hearts on Christ and that you would, in a very real way, wrap them in your love. Lord, be glorified, we pray, even through these moments as we sing and we partake of the bread and the cup and Share these things together, Lord. Be glorified in us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.